Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to It's All Placebo. On this episode, we're going to go into a little bit of fear, a little bit of faith, how to bridge the gap. It's a great topic for us because we, we thought about this podcast for six, seven months and fear became a barrier for us. So it's very apropos that here we are talking about fear on our podcast because we had to navigate fear to get here. And I think in that navigation process, we felt some of the expressions that we're going to talk about. And we've given that a little further thought, a little bit of reflection. And the fear is, it is that sidekick that you never signed up for. It, it will always be a part of your life. It will all be, always be something you need to manage. The idea that you can get fear out of your life, that's not very practical. It's impossible. And honestly, you wouldn't want to. This is one of those shadow aspects of life that we take for granted. Without fear, there wouldn't be courage. Without fear, there wouldn't be challenge. There are necessary components to fear for our survival. It, it was a tool that got us this far as the highest evolutionary being on the planet. And it's sometimes fun to figure out, first off, how it's happening. Where is it coming from? Because too many of us will sit here and keep swimming around in it. And not loving it at all, because it's not a tool, as I mentioned, something that was very useful in our evolutionary development, but it needs to be used sparingly. That same tool that, that was used for survival to keep you alive, as you looked around the jungle and wasn't quite sure what your surroundings were, there was a lot of danger. And that necessary danger brought necessary fear. Problem is, is we've Evolve past that as far as our societal norms. What you do on a day-to-day -day basis does not bring about near as many dangers as it might have one time walking this earth as a human being. So what does fear do for us now? Debilitates us. It's, it right? stagnates it, us. It, it was a, a necessary part of our survival, and it still is necessary. I need to be able to understand that I should not run in front of a train. That's a justifiable fear. Oh, heights. A good one, too. That's a Don't, great There's one. nothing to be ashamed of being afraid of heights. No. It's, you need to account for when fear runs away from. Is it the height or is it the idea that I'm going to fall out of a plane at 40,000 feet to my death? What, what is really the nature of the fear? And that's what we're going to dive into today. How does fear express itself? Are we aware of fear? And how do we bridge the gap into faith? A faith that will allow us to combat and, and manage. I don't even know that combat is the appropriate term because you, you don't need to be fighting with it. You really need to be one with it. And, and in that oneness, you need to manage it. You need to realize it's going to be a voice that's always going to be telling you, you can't do this or you shouldn't do that. Or if I do this, an undesirable outcome may follow. It's always going to be there. You need to be honest with it. You need to be respectful of it and not look at it like it's an evil bad guy it has its place it needs its voice and you need to recognize its voice and you, you'll start to see that as you see as you recognize fears and then overcome them i, I just got a joke i don't know if you've ever lost something worthwhile having you know like a wallet mm. you lose a wallet you go into a little bit of a the world temporary stops insanity. yeah it's a the world right. stops what has happened yes now the good part is though is when you find it 
that elation of finding the wallet. I always used to feel that and think, it was almost worth what I went through to lose that wallet to find it again. What you're probably going to deal with here is a zero-sum game. Mm-hmm. So which end of that do you want to put your focus on to? Right. And that's a little bit what we allude to here on, uh, with, with the title of this show. It's, it's all placebo. I don't think as many people realize how much power they have in the, in the ability to decide not only how they feel about their reality, but to actually manifest and shape it around them. Yeah. We don't exactly live in a world of complete choice. We're all bound by limitations. Gravity, <laughs> right off the top of the head. But that doesn't mean that you're stuck laying there on the ground, stagnant, unable to move just because there is a force. That force is what allows us to lean against it, to lean into it, to find out what our courage is, what we are passionate about, yeah. where our gifts in life are. I, I can tell you right now, I wake up every day and have to face fear. And it's a lot better to face it than avoid it. We've seen that play out in various ways. Growing up, you had a, a paper to be done. You procrastinate against it. What makes that procrastination come? I was king of this stuff growing up. Why do today what can be done tomorrow? And as I look back on it, I didn't even realize what was doing this to me. As a 16, 17-year-old kid growing up in high school, I wasn't quite self-aware enough to start diving into my fears in life. But I, I was lucky enough to get afforded this opportunity a little bit later on. And when I look back, there's some common facets. There's a fear of inadequacy. I, I, I noticed that quite a bit. A fear of not being perfect. That, that creates a whole a genre of, of mental illness, if you will, around perfectionists and OCDs and stuff like that. That's just a weird expression of fear. I've thought so far into it, another um, facet that even anger itself. You don't look at someone who's angry and causing fear to everyone around them. But that right there is the exact articulation of what I'm talking about, of how you manifest what you're feeling. Because that person that has just caused fear amongst the group around them is lashing out because that's what's within them, and it comes out as anger. If you really dig into an anger episode, there's something behind that that you're fearful of. Yeah. I'll I'll throw this out there as, as some development I got from parenting. I realized after many times of taking out some anger on my child, that what I was probably really afraid of was not even manifesting itself in that moment and wasn't even going to be affected by the anger that I was bringing to the table. All I was doing was teaching my kid to be afraid of me, not necessarily whatever scenario I thought he needed to be. And your fear and your anger stems from a desire to control something. You want control and your fear of losing control or, like you said, not being adequate enough in order to manage what is uncontrollable, those are the things that drive those emotions that make you angry, that make you unconfident, that make you want to rage against whatever's in front of you. For whatever reason you self-justify in that moment, you're losing control. And fear is, it is a step towards anger. It's a step towards I would say mediocrity, it's a step towards being timid. It can slow you down or otherwise spin you in a direction that you'll at a later point in time not be very proud of. We see it a lot with our children that we may be generating fears for them in the same way that our parents implanted fears in us. And as we have a chance to reflect on our fears, 
I think it's important that we understand that we allow our children to experience their own back and forth with whatever reality we have here. And we have to be careful about planting fears that may just have come from our parents. This may be a fear passed down the line cycle that is debilitating all of us that we just haven't clued into yet. Because it is a constant. I think of fear like it's gravity. I need gravity. Not, not because I want my vertical to be 48 inches. Gravity doesn't help me there. But gravity sure does hold me to this earth. And I am thankful that I'm not floating off into space. So I, I think fear, much like gravity, is something that you should appreciate, you should be aware of. But you also need to understand that a lot of these fears never manifest. And we'll have and run with fears for years that never manifest. And that's a curious cycle to find ourselves in. So let's dive into these expressions. You brought up one earlier, inadequacy. That's one I think we've all felt. But what is it that we are incapable of performing, whether it be at the workplace, whether it be in the bedroom, whether it be with our parents? One of the biggest challenges I've had with inadequacy is just what am I supposed to be as a parent? What, what is this? Am I supposed to be what my parents were? Or am I now redefining my take with what my parents showed me? Or is it all wrong? The reality is probably somewhere in the middle, but I know as, as a parent, I find myself often going, what exactly am I supposed to be doing here? And when should I yell at them for reasons that I'm not exactly sure qualify for yelling? But I've seen examples. I've yelled. Is, is there some solution there within this motion? Or am I just circling around my inadequacies around a parent? around parenting, around the fact that I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel, yeah, you've exactly touched on it. Where's the right place to hit on the, the fears that you teach? And you got to be very selective on those and aware of what you've picked. And it changes with time. I mean, the fear that you need to instill in a two-year-old involves not touching a hot stove, not sticking your finger over in that GFI outlet. That's not a great idea. But as you've mentioned a number of times, when you roll into that 15, 16 year old, it's time to start stepping back a little bit and, and, and maybe not projecting your inadequacies into your children, allowing them to develop with the world around them with their own cognition. So I had a thought on that. When we're talking about the scale of how much fear do you teach, maybe it's not. What if you turn the knob all the way off on fear teachings? <laughs> and what would that look like if the child wasn't told to be afraid of it, but just directed in the direction they were supposed to go? I guess what I'm leaning into here is the difference between positive and negative reinforcement. I remember this from a management class. I don't remember if it was in school or one of the, one of the corporate sponsored classes, but you had to deal where someone was blindfolded and they'd picked a spot in the room where they needed to get to. And the rest of the room had to tell them if they were going the right way, Tried to, tried to help them get there. In one aspect of the experiment, every time they went the wrong direction, all you could do was give them negative. No, 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 no. And then you see how it plays out. And the opposite of that, every time they did go the right direction, you went with nothing but positive. Yes, yes, yes. And when you watch that play out, it was absolutely incredible the difference of the results you would get from it. So if it was the no, 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 I almost never got where they were going. Mm, okay. They were focused on where not to go. 
And in that focusing on where not to go, it created frustration. And the attitudes, not only of the people who were supposed to, you know, the ones who were performing the experiment with the blindfold on, the attitudes of the people in the room from bringing that, that negative, that fear-based side of it, if you will, it led to failure every time. It manifested basically what they were, what they were doing. It was no, 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 this is where I end up. Completely on the reciprocal of that. When they come out with yes, yes, like each time they went the right way, it brought an uplifting spirit to the room. And both the people doing it, the blindfold person were more enthusiastic. And it was almost like they could just walk straight to it because of that different emphasis on what you were doing with the experiment. So take that and just turn the volume completely up on that concept. How much power would that have in your life? If you started having the awareness of what you do want, what you didn't, what you're afraid of, and that is how you use the tool. Yeah, it's two buffets. Like, are you dining from all things positive or are you dining from this is going to be negative? And I think a lot of that comes from our experience in life, but a lot of it comes from the model. And, and the model is in there, and the model could be your mom, could be your dad, could be your uncle, could be your first boss. It could be any person in your life that you thought worthy of modeling your behavior, maybe even at a subconscious level. I've, I've dealt with this quite a bit, and I'll feel the negativity that I've seen come out. And sometimes I'm conscious of it, sometimes I'm not. And then I wonder exactly how I'm kicking that down the road to my son. And will he have some of the similar... I would say some, some fear-based anger is just, you are just spinning up emotions with absolutely zero outcome, zero potential for return, zero potential. And you're spinning emotions and you could be enjoying something in a positive light, but you're leaning towards a negative light. And it's a choice in a moment, but it's somewhat of a choice that's been modeled. Like here I am at this juncture, what do I do? Well, what I do is what I've seen others do. And that may or may not be the right thing to do. The more I'm thinking about what we do with fear to ourselves, and more importantly, our children, is not only do we teach them what to be afraid of, but then we teach them how to handle it. And that is typically avoidance. Whenever we talk about how it could be useful, it's teaching someone to avoid something. And that might be right in a certain situation with a GFI outlet or a fire or a hot stove. But at some point in life, that fear avoidance is what leads to your suffering. Because as I mentioned off the start there, that the, the shadow sides, these dark things that we want to avoid, that's where we can find a lot of our gems, a lot of our lessons, what, mm. what we're here to evolve through and learn. And that fear conquering, while it may cause pain, it is exactly what you need to alleviate the suffering that comes from fear avoidance. Also boosts confidence. Yeah, right. Yeah. Once you've gotten through it once, you have the ability, the strength to do it again. One of the analogies I like that goes in with it is you could sit there and stare at a, at a window, like you see one burning around and be afraid to jump through it. But as you realize that you're sitting in a house that's burning down around you, that suffering <laughs> that gets so bad, all of a sudden the fear of jumping through that window isn't so bad. Yeah. So we do this, I think, Right now with fear, in many aspects, we sit in our own burning house of suffering through fear avoidance, as opposed to taking that quick pain it might be to jump through a burning window. Yeah, and what you're avoiding is a lesson. 
right? And, and so many of these life lessons, they're not in books. They're really not in books. I mean, we go to learn all things books about people that have come and gone or this mathematical outcome. But the emotional spark, part of, of our existence, the spectrum we, we exist in within our emotions, that, that's what you learn from bouncing your head against the wall. It doesn't come through somebody else's guidance. It comes from getting stung and then looking at what stung you and deciding, okay, is this something I can handle? Do I move through it? Do I look for a bigger sting? But it's all the emotion of learning how to manage this emotional vessel that we're in. And, and those, that comes with a lot of internal calibrations. And I think awareness around your fears and realizing when they're coming up is really an incredible step towards doing something to combat those fears or manage them in a positive light. So we, we touched on inadequacy, which I think we've all felt that feeling. You and I felt inadequate to start a podcast. Uh, I felt inadequate this morning to even come in here and talk on a podcast. So there, there's always moments of inadequacy. If we allow them to hold the reins, if we allow them to run to the front of the room, that's where we need to check the behavior. We need to check the outcome. We need to check the probability that these fears that are swimming around in our head, vast majority of them never have a chance of manifesting. And we talked about fear has a really bad batting average. Fear could not make single A Kalahusa ball. All the fears and so little of them manifest, yet we allow them to control us. It, it, it's a confusing lesson in probability that we're just not listening to or we're not capable of or we're not aware of. Yeah, I love the fact that you're bringing up most of our fears, almost every one of them is unsubstantiated. So in that moment, why not pick a better outcome for your fear? I'll attribute a little bit of what people like to do with their fears. They like to turn it into a boogeyman. Right. You know, they like to make it a mythical fear. And modern adult boogeymen are the conspiracy theory. You, you, you have anyone you run into, ask them what your conspiracy theory is. Bet they're going to have some sort of a, of a boogeyman, a they <laughs> out there that, that is doing, I don't even want to laugh, all sorts of atrocities. I've heard various conspiracy theories. Man, I had a 7-Eleven worker the other day that slammed me with two of some of the most unpleasant sort of conspiracy theories you could imagine. I don't even want to bring them up, but that got me thinking. That's what he's done here. Some sort of a fear boogeyman out there and then has built this scenario. Why would you do that without giving yourself a happy ending? If, if it's not true anyway, you have no idea on this conspiracy theory. You have no idea on these unsubstantiated fears you've come up with, these false inadequacies that you might have, these false beliefs in what's going to happen in the future, these false fears of failure. Anytime you have those, you can flip that around by just changing the narrative in your head. The, the way I see it, where you have like a, a manifestation loop, if you will, that you'll go through in your head with fear, is you'll have experiences. It can lead to knowledge. As we've talked about, the way you learn to be afraid of something after you've experienced, which leads to your thoughts based on what's happened to you. It's, it's all how you see it. See, that, that, that portion right there, the thought, is where you have control of the feelings that get elicited. Right. So instead of staying in that fear loop of this happened, that hurt, 
every time I do X, it's going to keep happening again. Change that around because there is a part of that that you have control over. And that's the thought towards the fear. There's not a part of it. You have entire control of it. You have absolute control of it. It's all placebo. And then, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And if you go back to your 7-Eleven example or anybody that's in the business of dining on fear, like it's a breath mint, like, what are you doing right now? I'm just, I'm here just enjoying this fear. And here comes another human and I'm going to give them the gift of this fear. And then, so now we've handed fear to another of our fellow humans. And we don't know when you get off into, into speculation, a lot of it is so just nonsensical that you would want to slow down and think, all right, one, am I just engaging in conversation? Am I just passing time? Am, am I a clerk at a store? And my job is to engage in these little bits of small talk. And in my moments, in those little bits of, of small talk, I have choices. And those choices are, I can throw fear into people's heads or I can throw positivity in their head. And, and he may not know that he's handing out nuggets of fear to hundreds of people a day, but we would like him to. We would like him to be aware of that. Well, what I think we need to be is aware ourselves that we're the ones buying it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you let it in. I you let you, it in. I tell you, man, yeah. and you're going to love this example I kind of thought about whenever, whenever you ask, like, why do we do this with fear? Because fear sells. Why do we keep buying it? A place that it sells and we know we keep buying it is in a weatherman in Oklahoma. If you're not a weatherman in Oklahoma on screen selling some fear about the weather you got coming, you're not getting paid. That's where fear is a funny aspect that we see it play out in, in our society. Well, it's marketable, right? It's, it's the one emotion that man has decided is, is really marketable and then exploitable. If I hit you with the correct fear, and then I hit you with a solution for your fear, I've now created a need you didn't know you have. So you open your wallet to a product or a service that you never needed until you knew the fear was there. So it, it's a dirty trick that mankind has figured out that fear sells. Fear sells greater than optimism. We know that. I mean, just look at the messages that roll through. You pick a social media outlet, you pick a news outlet, it's predominantly negative, and that's for a reason. And that is where man has levered fear against his fellow man for the gain of profit. And it's, it feels subtle, and we all know this is something we've all talked about, fear sells. But fear sells, and then fear, it permeates. So not only did you sell it to me, but I told my neighbor about it, and he told his neighbor about it, and all of a sudden the fear is just rippling through us. And if we don't have the product or we don't have the service, then the fear is coming to get us. And so th that is another fear that we need to be aware of. The fear that is coming through marketing channels, that is not justified fear. It is there to separate us from our monetary gains. That is the goal. And if you're engaged in that type of fear marketing, I, I would wish you have an awareness at some point in time of what you're doing to your fellow man and the conscious that you will eventually have is we, we've all ridden through our 30s where we would do anything for money. Money didn't, it was whatever. Give me the money. Get out of the way, give me the money. Then you get in your 40s, and, and I'm sure this, this maturity cycle changes for everybody, but in general, 
you get into your forties and you start thinking about what you're, what you've been doing. What have, what have I been doing to not only occupy my time, but to gain financially in life? And did I do it the most ethical way? Or did I just do it with the end goal of getting the most money? And those are questions we all have to ask ourselves. And, and those that are engaged in fear marketing, I would challenge you to check your conscience on what you're selling to people. And is it the only way to sell? Is it the only way to sell to create a problem that may or may not be a problem just so you can throw product or service into it? You got to hit both sides of that, though. It, it not only can it be the marketer, but it has to be the people that are out there buying the marketing. I, I, I love the quote, you got to be the change you want to see in the world. And you, you're not going to have every button to fix every, everything that goes wrong in the world right in front of you. But whatever you do have the control over, you can do with that. Where, wherever you can affect change, wherever you can alleviate fear, every step of the way that you do that, you step to make the world a better place. We were talking earlier when we talked about that manifestation loop, how you, you use the word calibration. And I love that because that's what I'm speaking to where your thoughts can calibrate your feelings. Whenever you think about how come fear will sit and roll around or continue to cause suffering with the thoughts in your head, because you won't let it go. You know, you, you, you won't put a bow on the end of that to allow yourself to learn from it. Or step back from it, engage another human about your fear and allow them to give you some perspective. And, and maybe they, they shed light that tells you these are unsubstantiated fears. And I'm sitting there making myself have bad days, bad moments, or I'm not chasing the things I want to in life out of a fear that may not be rational. The thoughts really piled up this episode. Join us next time. We will continue the discussion. We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866 866- 340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.